is going on, ladies and gentlemen? It's your boy Rufus. We're back with another installment, episode three of season five of the Rufus Rundown. Ripping through episodes, ripping through content. Hopefully, you're all tuned in on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, as well as the YouTube Shorts have been doing very well. Also, um, all of which is either under at Rufus Rundown or at the Rufus Rundown. I think the YouTube is is the Rufus Rundown. I want to say the TikTok is, and then everything else I think is just at Rufus Rundown. So be sure to tune into all social medias to keep up with everything that's related with the show. Uh, got about five calls to get to today, so that'll pretty much be the majority of the show. Uh, kind of sets up the topics as well as my playoff predictions for the NFL, my betting picks for this week, because when we take a look back at the results in the last two weeks, my record's sitting pretty good, so hopefully I can have continued success but a little college football playoff a little nfl playoffs and actually get some providence basketball to talk to not that i'm a huge college basketball guy until march madness rolls around but we got the question so we're gonna take care of it um but again like and subscribe please if you do enjoy the video please do drop a like as well as subscribe on youtube or wherever you get your podcast uh, i have really been appreciating the support um, we've been really, really doing well on, on all platforms in terms of views. Um, like I said, the YouTube shorts really do help with that as well to the watch hours in the views, the likes, the interaction. It's all been very, very good. Very appreciative of that. So, um, you know, I'm just continue to ask this, the, the same kind of, uh, support. And if there's anything you guys want to see, please let me know in the comments or on my social media, like I said, at Rufus Founder, at the Rufus Rundown. Uh, please, please let me know uh, what everybody would like to see. But the continued, you know, call support and everything makes it so much easier for me to you know, go through shows because it's, you know, the people that are listening to the show are obviously letting me know, uh, you know, what they want to hear, what they want to do. So very, very appreciative of that. But without further ado, we're going to get into the phone calls. We're going to head to Owen. Owen, Owen left us a nice voicemail. Uh, Owen's a consistent caller for the show. So here we go. Hey, Lucas, it's Owen calling from the car. You know, you know, I gotta get that grub. But you know, a couple hot hot takes, couple things. You know, college football. Let's talk about first. You know, TCU. You know, I had their hopes up. You know, but you know, they played right. some complete dog shit. You had a money one. In the championship game against Georgia. Now, in my personal opinion, Stenson Bennett isn't gonna make it in the NFL. You know, I think he's like a Baker Mayfield. Um, he has that cockiness. He thinks he's the shit because he's going off in college. You know, you see the memes. He has the fucking dream team going against a bunch of 19-year-olds, right? He ain't going to make it in the NFL. He's going to be bouncing around all over the place, kind of like Baker Mayfield. Shit, he could be a Jake Fromm and just never see the field, right? So that's my take on the college football. Bringing it to the NFL, you know, New England Patriots, you know, tough game against the uh, against the Bills. There were a couple calls that, you know, weren't called, a couple pass interference calls. You know, it's football, right? But, you know, Mac as a quarterback, I feel like he looked, he looked more like a seasoned quarterback come that game. He was staying in the pocket a lot longer, you know, throwing the ball than taking the hit, which, you know, you look earlier in the season, he wasn't doing that. He was, you know, running around like he's a fairy dancer and, you know, throwing the ball out of bounds or throwing interceptions. You know, going into halftime, I'm pretty sure he was 16 for 16. Um, Mac probably had by far one of the best games he played. Um, granted, you know, the score, you can't take away those two kick returns from the Naheem Hines, and, you know, that's a ball game. Um, so, yeah, let me know what you think. 
Uh, Owen, thank you for the call. Yeah, I mean, college football playoff-wise, good lord. What a disaster. 65-7. What a disaster. We get a call from Drew, too. We'll get into it, you know. Not a lot of our football guys are, are fans of the Georgia Bulldogs. Drew's very, very happy, I'll put it, uh, with Georgia's victory in the national championship, back-to-back national championships. Um, uh, Mayfield, I don't know if that's a fair comp because Mayfield was a Heisman winner. He, he was, I mean, I know Bennett was like a candidate. But not really like true in my mind. Uh, yeah, Stetson Bennett. I, I don't. I, I don't know. I don't know. Again, it's another. It's it's question I'll get into with with Drew as well. What I where I'll see his draft stock and where we see him going. Uh, not too sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I think a lot of what Stetson Bennett does comes down to the fact that he has uh, this boatload of weapons to throw to. Like McConkey even came out of nowhere. Uh, Brock Bowers, him. And the backfield that he's had, Pickens in recent years. I mean, like I mean, the list goes on and on. That's a loaded Georgia team. The talent there is immense. So again, it's still something to be said that you still have to make certain plays if you're Stetson Bennett, but it becomes increasingly easier when the scheme supports you and gets players open that already can get themselves open to straight up. You just throw it up to them and they make plays. Uh, yeah. Yeah, the cockiness, yeah. I mean, I want a certain amount of swagger out of my quarterback, though. I mean, if I'm taking a guy, I don't... I mean, the quarterback position, I don't want arrogance, but yeah, I do want a certain amount of swag. I do want a certain amount of confidence coming from that position because it's a leadership position. And you just you just want, like, you know, Joe, like Joe Burrow. Like, I mean, I don't think people would call Joe Burrow cocky because it has a negative connotation, right? Cockiness is... There's a negative connotation with that. Patrick Mahomes, is he cocky? I mean, you know, um, I would say Josh Allen too. Is he cocky or does he just he just brings an air of confidence? You know, where do where do we where do we you know draw that line? Where is the gray area? I think I think if you're a quarterback, you got to live in that gray area. Like Tom Brady's not cocky, uh, but he's certainly not not confident, not an unconfident person. So you know, where and then you know is Baker cocky because he's not good enough to back it up? Is that where we draw the line with that connotation, or do we need a certain amount of cockiness? Or is it confidence? What are we looking for? I, and and my quarterback, I, I do want that certain attitude, but you also have to have the ability to back up the energy you're bringing. But in order to sometimes play at a high level, you need that's just the way those guys uh, mentally just get themselves into a groove. So it's 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 tough to say, but I do want a certain air of confidence coming from my quarterback. Yeah, TCU, though, just disastrous. Max Duggan, tough. I mean, it just looked like they just got flat-out outplayed. Guys couldn't get open. Coverage sacks, just what could go wrong did go wrong. Murphy's Law in full effect in the national championship game. And, you know, 10-7, I'm like, okay, we got a ball game. You know, I didn't get the first rush. Into my, my parlay went went to... Went right down the drain when uh, Stetson Bennett ran the first one, and it was in. I, you know, I thought a quarterback was going to run one in. I didn't know if it was going to. You know, I took Duggan, who ended up being Stetson Bennett. But the rest of that, you know, parlay really did hit. Max Duggan had a rushing touchdown. Brock Bowers over hit. Brock Bowers anytime hit. And I think I had a Stetson anytime. I'm not sure. The over hit single handedly from Georgia. I mean, I went TCU money line. Mistakes were made. Mistakes were made. You know, there was money to be made if you took the money line. You know, because it was just such a big, big line. But clearly, there was a reason as to why the spread in the line was so big. 65 to 7. It's just disastrous. It's gross. Now, you know, we'll, we'll segue to, you know, my thoughts on Mac Jones, the Patriots. 
listen, they played very well in a game they needed to win, and then, you know, the special teams let them down. That's reality, right? I mean, I think that the Patriots, in two phases of that game, offensively and defensively, you know, outplayed the Buffalo Bills, which is, you know, is, is understandable considering everything that they went through, and some of it kind of came down to just the emotional willpower, but at the same time, it's just special teams, and special teams has consistently been a glaring issue over the last couple of years. Um, it's always been a strength of Bill Belichick coach teams, and in recent years, it's kind of faltered. The punt team having punts blocked, punts returned. You know, they've shown, you know, the punt return touchdown from Mark, um, yeah, Marcus Jones, but there's just, there's been this increasing discipline issue within the Patriots. I know a couple players were suspended for not going to rehab, or they were dealing with, you know, internally with um, some of those concerns, you know, discipline has never, never been an issue with Bill Belichick coach teams, and it has become an apparent issue in the last couple of years since Tom Brady has left. I'm not sure if there's a correlation there or if that's just coincidentally, but it is not a good look for Bill Belichick to be struggling, missing the playoffs, not having Tom, and discipline being an issue, and it never has before. It's just a bad look. It, it's a bad look. Um, I don't, I don't, I'm not saying I'm calling for Bill's head or I'm calling for Bill Belichick to be fired. Uh, Matt Patricia, on the other hand, yes, they are looking for an offensive coordinator. Thank God. I'm not even a Patriot fan. As a matter of fact, I don't like to see the Patriots succeed. I'm not a big fan of Patriots fans or the majority of the fan base that you know pisses me off. And that is the majority, which is why I say Patriots fans. I don't mean all of you, just the ones that piss me off. But that is the majority. So you get grouped in. I'm sorry. Tell your fans to be better. But... Yeah, I, I, Matt, Mac looked very, very comfortable in that game. I don't know if that's because he was getting used to this. This is his second system in two years now. If he was getting used to it, he's going to have a third system in three. Again, very similar to what Derek Carr has had to deal with in Las Vegas. I'm not entirely sure. I, again, I'm not entirely sure what the future is going to hold for Mac Jones um, in New England. But... When he's comfortable, it looks. It, 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 I'm not saying he can be the guy that leads you, but I don't think he's the first problem you have to address here. I think there's a lot of other glaring weaknesses that you have to address. Special teams being one of the big ones. I mean, you lose that game with special teams. You lost your playoff spot because your special teams unit was poor. Uh, your kickoff team was poor, giving up two touchdowns. Be whatever you want to lead into emotional advantages and whatnot. It, it, it comes down to the fact that your kickoff team was just flat out not good enough. So, yeah, I, I, I did think Mac looked good um, in terms of the running around. Yeah, I mean, he has no choice but to stay in the pockets. I still think he's recovering from that ankle injury, uh, that being one of the main reasons um, you know, that he you know, suffered that you know, ankle injury. But I think he looked good. I think the Patriots, again, offensively and defensively, I think outplayed the Bills. So just, I mean, and those scores, I think the scoreline supports it too, is that there's two kickoff return touchdowns. Yeah, you had to tell me like, one kickoff return touchdown, your, your your odds of losing increase like exponentially, never mind if you allow two. So, yeah, I, I think it came down to special teams, and it wasn't on Mac. The defense, the offense, Mac, it was strictly, I, I would strictly put it on, no missed calls, or this, just the special teams unit, the kickoff unit. Alrighty, next up, we're going to go to a caller from New York. Let's see what he's got to say. Who's good, boss? It's, uh, it's, it's, it's your boy, Timothy Anthony, you know, me. Uh, just wanted to say, you know, starting calling last week, I was too busy crying in the club because Poppy, Mike White, couldn't clutch it up. But, hey, it is what it is. Uh, I want your take on the C. One, who's the most fraudulent team Oof. in this playoff series? Oof. I think it's the Cowboys because uh, they uh, get big down Prescott. 
you know, <laughs> throws picks, missed five games, still leads the league in fucking interceptions, which blows my goddamn mind. But hey, you know, this is what it is. But, but, one more question. If Michigan replaced TCU, how much better or worse do you think things could have been? All right, gang, I'm going to talk to you later. Fuck the Cowboys, fuck the Patriots, goodbye. <laughs> Oh, man. Moro, thank you for the call. Uh, first off, yeah, rest in peace to Jets. Bright, bright future for the New York Jets, though. I wouldn't um, I don't, I wouldn't stay depressed too long in the offseason. I think you guys got a bright future. You just need to figure some shit out of the offensive line and quarterback. Um, but, yeah, I, I think there's a bright future for the New York Jets and, and their coaching staff and everybody that's involved there. Who is the most fraudulent team in the NFL playoff? Well, you know, I mean, we'll stick with college football. I mean, you guys should... Uh yeah, you know, we'll go I'll stick with the the segment college football. I'm going to what was the score of Michigan versus Georgia um last year? I mean, realistically that have been with. So, 34 to 11. So, it would have been a little better. It would have been a little better uh <laughs> than it was last year. Yeah, the Georgia. It, it would have been a tiny bit better. 34 to 11, but it's still it was still an ugly football game that we watched last year. All right, so the, so the reality of it is is that the number two team in the country was Michigan, the number three team in the country was TCU, the number four team in the country was Ohio State. Michigan had stomped Ohio State to get to that number two spot and remain undefeated this season. TCU upsets Michigan big time. Uh, was not expected. They were six and a half point underdogs. And Ohio State takes, you know, Georgia to that last kick where the Ohio State kicker misses. So now you have the number two team in the country that was beat by number three. That number three team has now beat the number two team in the country that had just stomped out the number four team in the country. And the number four team in the country took the number one team in the country, Georgia, to the very last second of the ballgame. So your expectation is a good game. Then you look at the 13 and a half, I think it was 13 and a half point, 12 and a half to 13 and a half point spread, depending on where you were looking at it from. So you're like, okay, well, they're big underdogs, but their first time there, it's TCU, well, not first time, well, in the first time this playoff. Um, you know, it's TCU, it's a first year coaching staff, you know, how bad can it really be? Oh boy, did it get bad. Uh, how much better would it have been? I, I don't, it wouldn't have been 65 to 7. It wouldn't have been 65%, but it's clear that Jim Harbaugh in the big game in college, uh, not too good, not too good at all, because um, he can just continue, they just continue to, you know, fumble in those games. They just continue to struggle. Uh, it would have been better than 65-7, but it's hard for me to say because TC, it, I mean, you know, what, again, what could have gone wrong did go wrong. TCU got just obliterated. And first time there, Georgia had already been there. And the second that it, an SEC school like that's, that had been there, the experience, especially the 25-year quarterback, he has just life experience. Um, you know, they smelled blood in the water, and that was it. You know, Kirby Smart's coach of Bama, like, there was, so, there was just loads and loads of experience. And once they smelled blood in the water from there, they just ran with it, and TCU could not respond. It's unfortunate. You hate to see it. And everybody, obviously, you know, I've made the jokes with it with the memes that I've made. Um, I still think TCU should have been in. Their resume was better. You just can't have the SEC playing it. I mean, you can. You can do that. Just cancel the. You know, you just, if you just want to have Georgia, Bama, 
all these SCT teams with the, with this great talent play, even though the records don't support it, that's fine. But you just cancel the rest of Division One football. Like I said, I mean, the expanded playoff is going to help. The expanded playoff is definitely going to help. Um, you know, determine who the best teams are. You know, by the end of it. So you know, you might see some upsets. You might not. You might see some big blowout games in the first couple of games. By the time you get down to the final four, we should have, you know, the best. We should have the best. So. That's the way I see it. I, I mean, I don't think it would have been sixty-five-seven, but on like any other given day, TCU puts up a better performance. I think that was just the worst of the worst like, scenario for TCU. So I think anything would have been better than sixty-five to seven in reality. But Michigan very well could have had a bad day too, and that would have happened. Um, maybe not that bad, but again, thirty-four to eleven. That's still an ugly ball game too. Just you know, Georgia scored double the points. So. Yeah, I, again, I think it would have been better than 65-7, but I also think if you played TCU on any other day, you replay that game, it, it, it turns out better. I'm not saying TCU wins it, but it it, it definitely turns out better than 65-7. The Georgia was a good matchup for them. Um, their secondary played incredibly well, um, and, and Georgia just Georgia ran the ball well, opened up a lot of play action, and just, you know, you know Georgia just took the top off to the defense. The, the twos came in. They were doing the thing. True freshmen making plays, coming off the bench. True freshmen starting, rotating in. I mean, like I said, what could have gone wrong did go wrong for TCU. And it was unfortunate considering, A, I had the money line. And, B, you know, you just you, know, some, you hate to see it happen to a small school like that on that big stage. Uh, most fraudulent team in the NFL. Well, you get to see both of them play. Um. Cowboys are up there with Dak Prescott. Um, we'll get into my picks later. But Giants-Vikings, it's the battle of the frauds, man. It's the battle of the frauds. I mean, when you look at the point differentials from this season, the only team with a lower point differential than the Minnesota Vikings is the New York Giants, and both of them are in the playoffs. Giants, negative six. Vikings, negative three. Now, hey, the Giants given are nine, seven, and one. That's almost 500. Your point differential, you can't expect it to be too much higher. Although the Jags... Have a plus 54 point differential. Again, kind of sneaking what you might be thinking when I have my picks. Um, in comparison to the Chargers, plus 7. But yeah, the, the Giants have a, have a minus 6. But again, close to 500, so it's like understandable. But still, probably don't, you know, there's some teams like the, the Lions and the Patriots and the Packers that all have better point differentials and are not in the playoffs. The Vikings, though, at 13 wins. I mean, you look at all these teams. So... Teams like there's the upper echelon of teams. You look at Cincinnati, Dallas, Kansas City, Philadelphia. Uh, I think Dallas's problem is Dak at the point difference. The Bills, the 49ers, they're all you know plus 100. The Bengals at plus 96. Jags plus 54. Ravens are up there as well, but now without Lamar Jackson, that's a whole other story. But yeah, for a 13 win team to have a negative point differential, they've been great late in games. But man, you you you're you, those that it's, you're gonna your luck's gonna run out. It's gonna run out eventually. But then again, yeah, long enough. Uh, but then again, like the Giants, the Giants too are just again battle of the frauds. I mean, there's there's some teams that don't belong that are gonna make it through and try to get hot at the right time. Um, again, I, I think it's the I think Dak Dak doesn't make Dallas fraudulent. You just have to acknowledge that Dak is not. Is not the guy uh, that's going to lead a team. Who do I? Th- I think the Vikings are more fraudulent than the Giants. So I think the most fraudulent team in the NFL playoffs is the Minnesota Vikings. 
Next up, we're going to go to my boy Drew, who's very, very happy with the result that we saw in the college football playoff. Georgia fan, Drew Lawrence. How we doing, Rufus? You know who the fuck it is. Um, just calling in, first off, to talk about my fucking dog getting that W, fucking 60 fucking three to seven or whatever the fuck it was. Just just terrible showing by TCU. Um, I know we talked about it a little bit, but uh, how are we looking for, for Stetson's draft draft stock? Like, where are we thinking Stetson's going to go? Because, you know, you know he's my, he's my – I fucking love the kid to death. Um, and there's a lot of speculation around when he's getting drafted. So I, I just want to hear the, the Rufus rundown on Stetson's, uh, Stetson's draft report. I'm not. I'm not entirely sure where Stetson, where Stetson Bennett's gonna go. Um, I'm gonna look up. I'm gonna look up an article. You know, on his draft stocks. He was gonna go. I mean, I certainly think he's probably gonna be a late round pick, right? I mean, his size. I, I think he's not the biggest dude, and his age is also another thing too. He'll be 26 by the time the season rolls around in October. Um, and again, I think a lot of what he's done has to do with the weapons that are around. I'm not given. You still have to take advantage of that. I mean, like, it's not like you should discredit the guy for the weapons, but you have to also run the eye test a little bit comparatively with who they're playing, who's covering them against certain opponents. You know, he's facing a lot of younger kids when he was there. Uh, obviously his mobility is strong. Obviously he, you know, has the ability to play like, you know, productive, you know, he, he, he plays within the system very well. I, again, I like his mobility. Again, size. Size is his thing. I don't think his arm strength is all that great, but I also don't think it's that bad. I mean, he's, pretty, he's a pretty accurate thrower um, of the football. I, I'm not, again, I, I, I he's looking like a backup kind of guy. Um, I'm not entirely, again, late sixth, seventh round. He's, he's definitely, he's definitely, I, I think he'll get drafted sixth or seventh round. And, you know, he might get a shot to start at some point in his career, but off the bat, I don't see it. But, you know, then again, I've been wrong with some of that. Look at Brock Purdy right now. Could he be a Brock Purdy, a game manager that falls in line with the right team late? Um, I absolutely do think so. Do I think something like a team like the New England Patriots could run him in there and he could have his story? Maybe. Um, do I see a team like the Jets maybe taking a shot on him late if they do decide to draft a quarterback again this year or if they trade for one and take a shot on him late? Uh, absolutely do see the Jets maybe taking a possibility on the kid. Um, you know, any good quarterback coach, you know, maybe I could see the Saints doing it, kind of like Ian Book-like. Um, I mean, you know, any any you know any type of you know quarterback you know whisperer in a sense might be willing to kind of you know work with him because he looked really good in the scout teams. You can do a lot with him as a scout quarterback as well. So he's on your roster. Um, going, you know, setting him up as the scout quarterback. I'm sure there's a lot that he could do that um, can be productive for your football team. But yeah, definitely a late round pick. Um, I wish the kid the best. I love his story. Walking on, then transferring to a junior college, transferring back. You know, everything that he's gone through. I'm ha- I'm ex- incredibly happy for the kid uh, because you know he he's got a really really cool story, and I wish him nothing but success in the future. Now we got a PC basketball call, and I, again, I haven't watched much college basketball, but I'm going to try to address this as best that I can. What's going on, Lucas? It's uh, Tyler Sumner here. Uh, I just wanted to get in your quick reaction to the Providence Friars being ranked at 19th in the country. Um, obviously, this is huge for Providence because they're the hottest team in college basketball. But I want to get your thoughts on the Friars. Um, 
the player that you see in Bryce Hopkins and also like just the team around and like Ed Cooley, how do you think he's been coaching this year? And overall your thoughts on Big East basketball and where you could see Providence ending up this season in the final rankings perhaps if they keep this momentum up. Thanks. Well, the Big East is obviously like just an absolute powerhouse when it comes to college basketball, right? So if you do, if you could, if you go undefeated in the Big East, which they are currently undefeated in the Big East, uh, obviously we're gonna see, we're gonna see them do very well in terms of the rankings. The only team that I think is hotter, uh, well Xavier has also put together a very good win streak. If you take a look at the Charleston Cougars, I think the Charleston Cougars have won 15 in a row. Uh, that's pretty impressive. Um, that they, I think, I, the Charleston Cougars at 22, of course, playing in um, a weaker conference, I think, are you know what, pro, way far and above the hottest team in college basketball. They actually just beat one of the other hotter teams in college basketball. They beat UNC Wilmington by two, who had also won like 13 or 14 in a row, again in the same conference. Yeah, but I believe it's uh, not 15 in a row now for the Charleston Cougars. But yeah, Providence has won what nine in a row. I think the the Charleston Cougars have won. Uh, in a row, uh, undefeated in the Big East. Uh, they got Marquette coming up, Tyler Kolick, a local kid. Again, the Friars are a team that you know, I've been talking about. My dad actually go see, you know, make a little trip down to. It's no longer the Dunkin' Donuts Center. I, what is it? The. Uh, is it, it like the Mika Pavilion? I think it is. That, it'll always be the dunk to me. Um, but yeah, Bryce Hopkins is obviously uh, having a good season 16 points per game, shooting almost 50% from the field. He's a 6'7. He's kind of a. You know, that 3-4, uh, that in-between big, uh, small forward wing player. Uh, Devin Carter is a 6-3. They're sophomore. Bryce Hopkins I'm I is, is young as well, too. I'm not posting on social media. I don't feel seen. Oh, my God. Love. Love. No. Keeping my on eyes on the roof. Audio. There we go. Sorry about that. I'm going to mute that real quick. Um, yeah, I mean, we have... They had a lot of transfers, right? I mean, this team has been put together mainly off transfers. Devin Carter coming from South, the University of South Carolina. Uh, Bryce Hopkins coming from the University of Kentucky, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, you know he's that he's that you know that that tw that tweener, you know that he's a bigger he's a bigger wing player. Um, they they I mean I said I haven't watched much of how they look to play basketball, uh, but Ed Cooley's had a lot of success in these recent years. He's done very well with um, the things they have. You know, a couple of tournament teams. And he's you know just really started to put together a really solid program. And sometimes it's hard to deal with those transfers coming in. Sometimes it's hard for a transfer to come in and find success. But uh, they certainly have a couple on this Providence roster, um, and, and, they're, and they're continuing to you know succeed uh, with them. But yeah, Marquette six and one, Xavier six and zero, oh, Providence six and zero. Oh, um, UConn is also fifteen and three overall, but four and three in the conference. They have three conference losses. Providence upsetting UConn. Uh, currently at number 19 in the nation. But, I mean, you, know, they keep, you keep winning, you keep rattling off wins in the Big East, you're going to continue to rank up there. Um, so, again, it's been you, bringing those transfers in as key, as key players um, and maintaining your role players has been a huge thing for Coach uh, Ed Cooley. Um, and, again, I don't, I, don't, I don't know enough to really go and say what they're, gonna, uh, what they're going to go and do and where they're going to finish up. Uh, but if they do continue to play at the pace that they are, um, and you know, continue to have a very good Big East record. There's no reason they can't you know slide into the top ten if they continue to play at this high of a level. 
but we'll see what the rest of the season holds. So I'm going to take a peek at their schedule, who they have left. So yeah, they you know they re, you know they got Marquette coming up. They got Creighton tomorrow, and then they got Marquette coming up. Like I said, that big upset over UConn's huge to them. Um, DePaul, Butler, Nova, of course. Nova is not having the best year. They are going to have to play Xavier two. You know they play two times, uh, and one late there. The second to last game of the season is going to be Xavier. Uh, they have UConn again too late in February. So those are the big ones. It, it depends on how they play Xavier. They're going to have to at least take one or two from Xavier, and they might even have to take that, and probably have to take that last one from Xavier to finish up there in the top ten. Uh, but I think if they do, um, if, if if they're able, if they're able to take uh, two of those three games between the two with Xavier and the one and the one left with UConn, I definitely can see them fitting into the top ten if they beat the teams they're supposed to beat that they have beat throughout the rest of this conference. But that you know, of course, the Big East, you know, upsets. It's you know, it's it's big. It's big basketball, big time basketball. So we'll see. I can see them being a top ten team in the nation if they do uh, continue to beat these teams that they have beaten, that they have better conference records than. And then it comes down to those three big games: the two with Xavier and the one with UConn. Of course, Marquette ranked as well. Tyler Cole almost leading the nation in assists. He's a local kid uh, to them as well. That's coming up. So that'll be a good uh, measuring game. After you know they upset UConn, can they defeat another ranked opponent? And then those games against Xavier are going to, you know, obviously come up big because Xavier's at 12 in the nation right now. Um, so, you know, the rankings like them, and they're undefeated in the conference as well. So those those are the big games you're going to have to see to see if Providence is able to really, you know, grow into a national powerhouse this season. And now we got our last call before we get into playoff predictions. I mean, we got some playoff predictions in this call, so it's a pretty good segue. Hey, what's up, Lucas? It's Wade again. My NFL playoff predictions for y'all. Sing season with so much youth in the AFC. Of course, we can't count out Brady in the NFC. But if I were to make a Super Bowl prediction right now, it's got to be between the Philadelphia Eagles out of the NFC and the Bengals from the AFC. Hear me out on this real quick. I think Mahomes and the Chiefs who have the one seed. But however, their defense just the best defense to look at when it comes to, more time you know, trying this, to prevent yeah. points off the board. Mm-hmm. If the Chiefs want to win the Super Bowl, Mahomes is going to have to put up 30, 40-plus points probably to Which even get doing. through that. Mm-hmm. Then you have the Bills. Uh, they got Josh Allen, but I feel like what's going to be their fall apart is having Singletary and Cook as the running back. I think the running attack is not going to be enough for them to make it that far. But Cincinnati, on the, on the other hand, is literally a well-balanced attack. Burrow, Higgins, Chase, Boyd. You have Mixon and Pierine at running back. Hurst at tight end. I feel like with the Bengals offense, they can just make it a big all-around attack. Same thing with the Eagles. Now that they have A.J. Brown, I think the Eagles make this a big dark fight out of the NFC. And my predicted final score, let's go with 24-21 to 21 Philly. Give me Jalen Hurts the Super Bowl MVP. Let me know what you think, bro. Thanks. Joe Burrow about to become the next Jim Kelly. You can go to a bunch of Super Bowls and not be able to win them. Um, you know, I don't. I have no issue with the Eagles or the Bengals. I mean, I think if there's, if I had a, a Super Bowl bubble of five teams, Eagles, Niners in the NFC, and then Bengals, Chiefs, Bills are who we're looking at in the AFC. Exactly who you addressed there. Um, and obviously all the top seeds, but this year I really do feel like those really are um, the teams. I think the Jags can sneak in just because, you know, 
of their point differential looking very good. The Chargers too, but I don't know the way that lost the Broncos. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't want to. I'm not heavy on the Eagles just because they're gonna be. They're lacking a lot of game reps as of late. Like it's not about you know how good you've been or what the record says you are. Um, it's about you know who's hot at the right time, and the Eagles really aren't hot at the right time, considering how many guys have missed time. But if they do get guys healthy and they find their rhythm in practice, I'm not ruling it out. I think their NFC Championship, um, any NFC Championship game material, I think they can win the one game. But they also could be one and done. But I do not see them going to a Super Bowl. Uh, the Niners, I do absolutely see going to a Super Bowl. Uh, and then in the AFC, the Bengals, I wouldn't rule it out, but the problem is their offensive line. You know, they got some injuries in the offensive line. Still, uh, Burrow's been under pressure. Lael Collins uh, went through a knee injury, I believe. But their defense is solid. You know, the secondary might not be the best, but it's been okay. Um, pass rush between Sam Hubbard and Trey Hendrickson is very good. Run defense of them as well. So uh, I, I do like the Bengals, but the problem I see is with their offensive line. Same thing with the Chiefs, their point differential being uh, lower than those teams. Uh, they, you know, they're a young team. Chiefs have played a lot of rookies. They've had to make a lot of moves. You know, they've been, essentially been uh, rebuilding there in air quotations, um, allegedly you know, rebuilding. Uh, again, I like the Bills, but sometimes Josh Allen just does some things that make me shake my head. Again, the sustainable run game is a big thing to be able to succeed in these playoffs. Uh, they don't really have that, but he also runs like crazy. Again, I don't, I don't want to rely. And then you can talk about sustainability if you, if you consider it sustainable that Josh Allen runs the most. Um, I like them throwing the James Cook, but you know it's been it, it's inconsistent to say you know to say the least with how what the, the Bills run game has been. And yeah, that definitely would be their downfall. But at the end of the day, big time players make big time plays, and I think that Josh Allen is that guy. So you know, I'll I'll let that segue um, into my NFL playoff picks. So we'll we'll go through it. We'll go through the whole bracket, and we'll see what we got. Uh, so Saturday, we got Seahawks 49ers. I got the 49ers. It's 49ers minus 10. Um, I'm not even going to go with betting spreads there. I would not bet that big of a spread in the playoffs. Uh, and do not playoff parlay. They do not work. Playoff parlays with spreads especially don't work. Do not bet parlays. We can Chargers, Jaguars to follow that Saturday night. I got the Jags upsetting the Chargers. Chargers favored by one and a half. Um, I, give me the Jags. Uh, Dolphins, Bills. This is unfortunate that Tua is not going to be able to play because this is a really entertaining regular season matchup. Um, rookie quarterback, uh, no. Skylar Thompson, no. He's not doing it. Uh, the Bills should dominate this one. I don't see that. Yeah, any, any doubt in that one. If Tua plays, I could see that one being a close one. Bills, no doubt in my mind, they come out and destroy the Dolphins in this one. Giants, Vikings, I got the Giants in that one. I got the Giants over the Vikings. Fraud v. Fraud is what I've called it. Um, and I'm rocking with the New York Giants as the less fraudulent team in the Minnesota Vikings. Ravens, Bengals, uh, give me the Bengals to win in that one. Uh, and then Cowboys, Buccaneers on the Monday night football I'm I'm going Buccaneers. Um, again, I just don't see Dak Prescott losing. To, uh, I'm sorry, Dak Prescott beating Tom Brady. My God, I almost just really butchered that one. Yeah, I I do not I, I do not see I do I do not see it happening. I do not I I just don't see Tom Brady losing to to. <laughs> 
losing to Dak Prescott. I just don't see it. So, Jacks, again, I got Jacksonville moving forward. I got Cincinnati moving forward, Buffalo moving forward. So, it'll be Cincinnati, Buffalo in the divisional. And then Jacksonville will be playing Kansas City, which I think is a really, really cool uh, thing to have that Buffalo Cincinnati rematch. That's going to mean a lot to the Bills. Um, again, I think Philly will be taking on the Giants. San Fran will be playing Tampa. Uh, I see San Fran beating Tampa, and then I see um, I see Philly beating the Giants. It'll be Philly uh, 49ers in the NFC, and in the AFC, I got Buffalo beating Cincinnati. And then honestly, this one between Jacksonville and KC, I can't just have both one and two seeds going up against each other. That's gonna suck. I mean, I can't just let that happen. I mean, I could mix it up here. And do I think it's more likely to be Jacksonville, or do I think it's more likely to... You know, give me the Jags. Give me the Jags over KC in a big upset in the divisional. And then I got Jags, Buffalo. Buffalo goes to play the 49ers and beats them in the Super Bowl. That's my that's my, that's my my playoff predictions. I, I see the Bills 49ers as the Super Bowl. However it happens, however they get there, uh, Bills 49ers is 100% my pick. And I got the Bills... Winning this Super Bowl by a score of 33-28. to 28. So, you know, see what the spread will end up coming out to be. But 33-28 is going to be my pick for the Buffalo Bills over the San Francisco 49ers. Again, I wish it was going to be more entertaining because I just don't see Baltimore nor Miami competing. Nor do I see Seattle competing. But, you know, I've been wrong before. I, I would have rather seen the Detroit Lions. I mean, Dan Campbell's out here uh, just putting his nuts out in the line, just calling, uh, hooking ladder fake screen plays, and, and they're making plays in a game and you have to win just for the sake of it. Aaron Rodgers just unable to compete with the rookie Kirby Joseph in the secondary. The Lions flat out outplaying them. They deserved better from Baker and the Rams. I wish it was the Lions, and I wish that there was more of a chance that the Niners were going to get upset by them. But in reality, I think the Niners are the best team in the NFC, even with Brock Purdy. That's the only issue that you see is the inexperience with them at quarterback. It's the only weakness they have, and he's looked like a veteran. He looks like one of the best. He's probably the best last pick ever. Maybe not the best last quarterback taken off the board, but like he just looks fantastic. He looks like a veteran. But, again, rookie QBs in the Super Bowl, I don't even know the last to make it. Historically, the success cannot be great. So I'm not going to be rocking at all with, with Brock Purdy if it comes down to that. But I do see the Niners getting there. And again, I think this is just the Bills' year. Uh, I think there's a lot of emotional uh, backing for them to go do the damn thing. And they're going to go play it. And they're a high-level football team anyways. Even before um, the whole situation with DeMar Hamlin, I certainly would have taken the Bills to win the whole thing. But now, more specifically, with even more emotional support there, uh, I definitely see the Bills taking this Super Bowl um, this year. Uh, that's all the time I got. I appreciate everybody who called into the show. Uh, we're going to have some more takes in the coming weeks. Uh, I, I, again, I continue to see this Jason Tatum MVP hype, and I'm not about it because you can't have... And there's Jalen Brown MVP hype too, which, you know, I, I, again, I have no problem with either of those two guys playing well, but when it comes down to the MVP, your value... If you have two MVPs, you have none. Um, anyways... We'll get into all that. I'll break all that down in the coming shows, in the coming episodes. Please continue to follow on social media, Twitter, Instagram, 
uh, the YouTube shorts I post as well, TikTok, all the Rufus Rundown, or at Rufus Rundown, one of the two will get you where you need to go with those. Links are also in the description of the video. And please continue to like and subscribe. If you're listening on any of these services that is not YouTube, please subscribe and leave a nice review. Um, and if you're watching on YouTube, please uh, remember to drop a like and subscribe. Comments appreciated as well to everybody in I hope everybody enjoyed the calls. Hope everybody enjoys calling in. Please continue to leave me text and voicemails. Um, the number's there. Anybody can call. It's not just, you know, it, it could be anybody. If you're listening from anywhere, there's no fee. It's free. Give me a call. 508-216-0858. But uh, that is all the time we have today. It is your boy, Rufus. Signing off.